Hello and welcome to our Secular Overeaters podcast series, where you'll hear from speakers who have found recovery from food and other addictions without God. For additional information, go to secularovereaters.org. And now let's get to today's podcast. The purpose of this group is to discuss the 12 steps, one at each meeting, and to share our personal experiences with the step or anything related to the theme of the step. Many of us are inspired by the 12-step approach, but find that some of the original language and concepts don't align with our personal beliefs. During this meeting, we will read several different interpretations of the steps and discuss, as the varied individuals we are, what makes sense to us and what helps our recovery. As always, please take what you like and leave the rest. Now, we do allow crosstalk, but please make sure it's supportive. And we're going to begin by reading the Freethinker Alternative 12 Steps for Overeaters. Please take a turn reading a step or two and say pass when you're finished. I will call on hands in the order raised for anyone who would like to read. And Jenny is going to start us off. Freethinker Alternative 12 Steps for Overeaters. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe and to accept that we needed strengths beyond our awareness and resources to restore us to sanity. Pass. Um, okay, let's see who's next. It is Deborah. Hi, step three, made a decision to entrust our will and our lives to the care of the collective wisdom and resources of those who have searched before us. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Pass. Thank you, Deborah. Laura, you're next. Step five, admitted to ourselves without reservation and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're ready to accept help in letting go of all of our defects of character. Pass. Thanks, Laura. And Dawn, you're next. Step seven, with humility and openness sought to eliminate our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Pass. Thanks, Don. Chelsea, you're up. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. And step 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Pass. Thanks. And Karen, finish it up for us, would you? Step 11. Sought through meditation to improve our spiritual awareness and understanding of the OA way of life and to discover the power to carry out that way of life. Step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Okay, thank you everyone who read. This month is July, so we're going to be discussing step seven. We'll be reading eight versions of the step, the OA traditional, free thinker, Buddhist, Cleveland atheist, humanist, practical, proactive, and secular organization for sobriety, SOS. These sources can be found in the literature and websites listed in the chat and on the handout. So please take a turn reading a version of the step and say pass when you're finished. Scarlet. Thanks. Step, step seven versions, uh, OA principle, humility, traditional OA, 
humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Free thinker with humility and openness sought to eliminate our shortcomings. Pass. Thank you, Scarlett. Judy. Buddhist. With the assistance of others and our own firm resolve, we transformed unskillful aspects of ourselves and cultivated positive ones. Cleveland, work honestly, humbly, and courageously to develop our assets and to release our personal shortcomings. Pass. Thank you, Judy. Laura. Humanist, we honestly hope they will help. Practical, began cultivating healthy character traits through consistent positive behavior. Pass. Anyone else want to tackle the last two or one? Deborah. Proactive. I learned to accept a sense of vulnerability that goes with life's pressures and uncertainties. SOS. I embrace introspection and work towards alleviating my shortcomings. I strive for personal growth and fulfillment over perfection and to become integrated with collective humanness. Thank you, everyone who read. We're now open for discussion about the steps. What does step two mean to you? And what are your impressions of the different versions we just read? Please raise your hand when you're ready for a turn and please allow everyone a chance to talk before speaking a second time. Who'd like to begin, share their thoughts and feelings about these different steps? Okay, Judy. Somehow previously, I have not paid attention to various step seven versions and I don't know why. I love all of these or almost all of these um, with the uh, with the alternatives um, Buddhist with the assistance of others and our own firm resolve. We transformed unskillful aspects of ourselves and cultivated positive ones. Unskillful aspects of ourselves is now my new favorite phrase for defects. Absolutely love this, um, this concept. Um, you know, that alone means I love that step. I also, as always, love the SOS. The two longest, you know, I've said this before, the more words, the better for me. When I next do step seven again, I'm probably going to be looking to those. Because with the SOS, what I love for anybody who's heard me talk about my, my views in the universe, I love that ending and to become integrated with collective humanness. Um, because I believe wholeheartedly in the connection that we all have. I, I don't believe in a guiding intelligence who created us. I do believe that when that all of the energy we have just goes back and forth. And I don't care if it's from a rock or, you know, iguana or us, we're all interconnected. And so this integrated with collective humanness it speaks to me. So I don't know how much I've rambled, but as much as I enjoyed all of these different views, Buddhist and SOS are what are really speaking to me today. And so with that, thank you. I will pass. Thank you too, Judy. Linda, you're up. Hi, everyone. Um, I really like the practical version, began cultivating healthy character traits through consistent positive behavior. It really speaks to me because it's it talks more about a long-term goal, a lifestyle change, and uh, that requires work. And yeah, I, I know it's not a quick fix. And uh, this version of the step kind of says you, you need to continue working it, even though you 
work the next step. And after all the steps are done, it's not something that goes away. It just continues to work towards this goal. And uh, I like that, uh, but it's also a hard part <laughs> of the step. But uh, yeah, that's what I think. So I'll pass. Thank you, Linda. I'm going to take a brief turn here. I am 100% with Judy about this. I have always hated the defect word and even shortcomings is just a slightly gentler way of saying you're flawed, you're flawed. And I don't like to think of myself as flawed. I think I like to think of myself as unskilled in certain aspects. And uh, so I like the fact that it's it says we transformed unskillful aspects of ourselves and cultivated positive ones. Um, and since the traditional OA, I, I don't believe there's anyone out there who's going to remove my um, unskilled aspects. So I'm the one who has to work on them. And any step that says you can do this is one that I will embrace. The proactive one, I learned to accept the sense of vulnerability that goes with life's pressures and uncertainties. And the SOS, I embrace the introspection. Yeah, it, to me, this is about personal growth and learning how I can be the best that I can be. And uh, so anything that helps me have a positive outlook on that is the step that I wanna turn to. Thanks, Chelsea, you're next. Hey everybody, Chelsea, uh, food medicator, food addict, sugar junkie for sure. Um, yeah, I, I love all of these. And I'm one who came out of traditional OA. I'm going to slip right back here for a second and look at these step seven versions. Um, so I came out of traditional OA and, and I found it fairly easy back then to kind of, this is like six years now. Um, I found it fairly easy to kind of skip over the him and the patriarchy and the racism and all of it back then, just because I was pretty desperate. I've been through pretty much every weight loss program you can imagine. But I look at it now and it really seems archaic. And I, and I look at these other ones and they really seem quite like breath of fresh air kind of stuff. And I love the Buddhist. I really do. But even this unskilled thing, I, I lately have come to really embrace the idea of this is just my DNA that I was born with. And I could have been born with a whole lot of other things. And I have tools now that I can use to deal with the DNA that I was born with. And this all just seems like tools and habits to me that I just love. Uh, I have abstinence. Thank you. I'm so grateful for this abstinence that I have. It just feels like, like I live in an apartment building that I walk in every day and there are these bowls of candy. And I remember the first couple of days I walked past through the lobby and I would just go like, Ugh, there was just this little twinge. And now I just like breeze past them. It's just a habit. And I think about that a lot. When I look at those bowls of candy, they just do nothing for me. And I kind of think of my other habits that way now too. So for me, the practical is really a big one because all these tools that I use every day kind of teach me that all the things that I used to look for were all just, I just wanted one big fix. Just give me the diet, give me the pill. And now I realize that every day, all the little tools that I'm using are kind of add up to this begin cultivating healthy character traits through consistent positive behavior. If I do just, you know, seven of the 10 little tools that I do every day, if I even do like three of them every day, I'm going to be okay. 
And the next day I might do five. And the next day it just, it just somehow all builds up to this abstinence. And I just feel really cared for by myself. So it's pretty awesome. And I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Chelsea. Jen, Jenny, you're next. Hi, Jenny, sugar addict and compulsive eater. When I first went through um, the steps, I also did it with a traditional sponsor in a traditional way. And I just kind of like breezed right through step seven because not believing in God, like, you know, what are you going to do? And I really didn't feel like there was, there were guidelines about how to deal with this. Um, But, you know, reading some other books, I really like Martha Cleveland's book, The Alternative 12 Steps. There's just like really practical suggestions in there, you know, because it can be overwhelming. Okay. First off, because I don't believe in God, I'm not going to be asking anybody to get rid of my, you know, character defaults. But um, even if I could, I mean, there are just so many and it's just like, so overwhelming. Like, what do you do? And I really like, you know, just choosing like kind of one at a time to work on. And Right now, I am working on the default of overmothering. I've got two 22-year-olds living with me that just graduated from college. And of course, I still think I know what's best for them. And they really don't need my advice. And it's just been like really hard to, you know, move back, to step back. And it's kind of funny because I even feel like the way I've had like, you know, pushers with food who would say, oh, come on, you know, like one cookie's not going to hurt you or whatever. It's like, yes, it will. You know that my life will blow up because I'm an addict. I can't take just one of these things. The same kind of thing. I was telling a friend about something going on with my, with my young people. And she was saying, wow, that just makes me so stressed out and nervous. I'm like so worried about them, you know, and she doesn't even know these people, but just like the situation sounds that way. And it's totally tapped into like my feelings. And so it kind of overrode my good intentions of not bringing up certain subjects with my kids because, you know, kind of having like a friend kind of be a pusher in the background. When I got home, I brought it up again and I just really regretted it. And it's like one of those like lessons of, you know, I have to keep learning over and over again. So I really, I do like um, all the different versions of these steps because I feel like you can get so much out of, you know, little bits of each one of them, but I feel like none of them, you know, really shows like how you can do this or it, it doesn't, even the practical one, you know, it it's, it, it kind of helps to know, like, you don't have to try and get rid of all your, you know, whatever shortcomings, defects, defaults all at the same time, but just to pick, you know, a couple and just start working on them and then move on to the next ones. Pass. Thank you, Jenny. Dawn. Hi, I, I was, um, I'm a little all over the place, but everybody's shares have inspired me. So I'm going to give it a go. Um, I really like the principle of humility. When I think back to even where I was a year ago, I was, I I don't think I was possessing a lot of humility. It it was, um, I was up against the world and the world wasn't getting in line. And, and, you know, I came upon this step. We worked this step like a year and a half ago as a group, worked through the steps, but I wasn't, I wasn't in a place where I could really start to incorporate it. I went through my shortcomings, you know, where I'd uh, really overtly wronged people and could, uh, you know, do some, do some work around that and see some of that, but you know, it's another level. It's another level right now and beginning with humility um, and embrace embracing my 
humanness in a gentler way. Yeah, I, I cringe at all the language. Um, anything that that anything that is harsh or feels offending or is not a gentle, loving embrace of my often struggle to be human and carry these human traits that uh, come from all kinds of places, all kinds of conditioning, all kinds of trauma. So I, I really love the, you know, the, I'm trying to, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'll do it all alone, the whole, this whole life thing. So I'm trying to uh, really embrace with humility, the openness to sharing authentically with other people, uh, coming, coming to seek their assistance, open myself to, to other ways of people's ways of being and in doing that. And I can appreciate that. And in doing that, I'm, I'm able to uh, embrace this gentle with my, with myself. So I, I just love, um, yeah, the assistance of others stood out to me, honesty, humbly, courageously, this takes courage. It takes courage to show up and be, you know, be different and work on, you know, really believing that my way of being, if it's flawed as it is, is as right as everybody else's way of being, the, you know, the cultivating healthy traits, consistent behavior, the behavioral changes. That's where I have this little bit of power now to, you know, to pause and change how I, you know, how I, what I think might serve me and the world better. The, the sense of vulnerability, wow, in the proactive. Uh, life's pressures and uncertainties, so it's, yeah, learning to roll with that. I really like that um, reminder. And, of, you know, the introspection, I'm, I do that to death. And, yeah, integrated with the collective humanness. I like the SOS because uh, it's a messy, it's, people are messy. I'm messy. It's a messy world out there. And uh, I just want to, with humility, be able to balance seeing the, the dark and the beauty. Thank you. Thank you, Don. Jill, you're next. Okay, Jill, compulsive overeater and sugar addict. And I'm going to pull these up real fast. And um, when I was first listening to these, none of these like jumped out as aha, that's the one that I really relate to. All pieces of a lot of them jumped out. And then I just put two together. And I think if I think I'm a proactive practical. Um, and if I were to combine those, and it makes to me that one makes a lot of sense, learn to accept the vulnerabilities. Um, because I think that that's really hard, as people have said, I feel often that I can handle it by myself. And to humbly accept that, that goes with life pressures and uncertainties. And those pressures and uncertainties sometimes can just be a schedule change in the day. Um, and that combined with and begin cultivating healthy character traits through constant positive behavior. Uh, it seems like that um, pulls together, I'm taking away something and I'm replacing it with um, healthy traits. So um, I like that combination of the proactive and the practical pass. Thank you, Joe. Troy. So humility is something that 
I think life has been trying to teach me for a while. Proactive really spoke to me. Learning to accept the sense of vulnerability that goes with life's pressures and uncertainties. I feel like I have so many uncertainties in my life. And once I can actually accept that they are there, that they're always going to be there, I think this will be easier for me. I'm starting all over again today. And that's something that I have to accept uh, with humility. (laughs) And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Troy. Good morning. This is Wendy. Um, What's making me realize is that my upbringing and maybe a lot of us, I, I wasn't allowed to have shortcomings and I had to be perfect or there wasn't a place for me in this world. And to accept just that it's okay to not be perfect and to admit, and I have such a hard time with criticism and that it goes, sends me right back to early childhood and feeling like, why can't you just, I'm doing my best, my, whatever my best is, why isn't it good enough? Instead of just saying, I'm not very good at this or that. And it's more like, I, I just really have such a difficult time with any criticism instead of just saying, you know, that's the way I am. And this is, uh, what do they call it? Personal, not weakness. Anyway, it's, it's a, it's, this is a tough one for me to be that it's to accept being flawed, that it's okay to be flawed. And of course we all are. So thanks. Thank you, Wendy. Shirley. Uh, Yeah. You know, this is, you know, so, you know, interesting for me. Um, So like, like everyone here, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with these, with this issue, but what I, I love this, this, um, this, the way this book has set things up for us to really look at them. You know, I am pretty much a proactive, you know, practitioner. Um, and I think for some of the reasons that have been stated before, um, that sort of harsh language of talking about, you know, character defects and all this stuff and it, making it sound like maybe the other people who don't have this problem or don't have character defects. And I know that's certainly not so, but it's also been pushing me to focus very differently on things, the proactive perspective, you know, accepting the sense of vulnerability that goes with life's pressures and uncertainties. You know, the fact that life is uncertain and if COVID did nothing else for all of us, I think it made that really, really clear. Like who knew, right? And so just realizing that it's all unpredictable and that I am taking a, a, a turn, letting go of the idea of some perfectionism. And instead I'm trying to focus on my strengths, right? And using my strengths well, as opposed to you know, focusing those, on those things forever that I, I thought I needed to focus on so I could be quote, you know, more perfect or something. Because some of these things about me, I'm sorry, they're just not going to change. You know, there's, I, you know, if there were a magic person in the sky, maybe they could make them change like with their magic, but it isn't. So um, I'm always going to be that person who gets excited, really excited about things and really disappointed about things. And that's just going to be, but how I express that is the thing that I could conceivably change. So, um, I'm sort of a proactive and an SOS person, 
but there's so much wisdom in each of these that, um, that I can see. But uh, I know that with, with honesty and a willingness to look um, at where I want to go, then I can probably garner and figure out how to use the skills that I do have to get there. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Shirley. Bertha, you're up next. Okay. Hi, I'm Bertha. Grateful Recovering Compulsive Eater. And it's hard for me to put up my hand because one of my um, things that I'm working on in my life is speaking up. Um, and, you know, I love, well, I love that this program is here and, and that we look at so many different versions. I mean, I just love the whole idea. But, you know, just, uh, yeah, and I take bits of all those steps. I think they all have a truth, just like the original 12 steps have a truth to them. How the truth is expressed is different, you know. And But the, the one thing that does, that I look at is, you know, the humility thing, because I definitely grew up um, where... <laughs> where I don't think anybody around me knew what humility was. They were all strongly opinionated. And I think that's why I need to speak up because I hid. Because, <laughs> you know, I don't know. That was the way to be humble while everyone else just shouted out whatever they were doing. So anyway, um, so, you know, right now, I think just speaking up is a greater power helping to me overcome overcome one of her, you know, move into a better way of being in the world for myself. And I think for me, it's like, it's um, trying to recover the original DNA I came with that got massive piles of dirt piled on it, you know, and years and program have helped to shift and on other therapies and stuff, shift a lot of that. And so I think um, understanding for me what humility is like, is is uh, maybe asking someone else? I guess what I was saying about my growing up, like um, the opposite to humility is people who have uh, very strong opinions and that they're always right. And uh, you know, I grew up with a lot of people like that, and um, so it's a balance between having some opinions but willing to to ask you know, for help from people in the program, whatever program I'm in at that particular time. So that to me is humility when I get out of really feeling that I'm the only right one in the world and I can ask for help and, you know, and uh, take in other opinions. And that's why I'm so grateful for these meetings because, you know, I'm, I listen to everybody I have judgments and things like that, but I'm learning that that it's I keep coming back, watching my judgments, and know that you guys and put all put together have more wisdom than my little brain on its own, and that's kind of humility for me. So I I, I love the and also one more thing I because I love the sixth and seventh step and um in so far that. You know, in, in truth, if I just humbly ask for help, then I don't even have to worry about uh, changing myself or anything. It'll happen because there's kind of like intelligence or whatever you want to call it, divine intelligence that has guided my life in ways that I never, never could have done with my intellectual brain. 
So um, that's that. I love it. I mean, it's like okay, you just do, you just make your best shot at those two steps, and then change will happen. So that's my take on it. Thank you. Thank you, Bertha, and Teresa. I'm I'm Teresa, compulsive overeater, sugar addict, and um, this is my first time to this meeting. Thank you for having this meeting. I love this um, format and the information that I'm seeing. It's like new for me, and it feels very exciting to hear different ways of discussing something. I think that, you know, if I've been in program for, been around the rooms since I was for 40 years with multiple windows of abstinence and uh, relapse, I would say that one of the biggest reasons why I relapse is, is around this step and, and this trying to transition into like, you know, talking to this higher power to like turn over my shortcomings and just not feeling like that was how I could make sense of it. You know, even if I could get past step three, which was already such a hurdle, you know, um, but I, I really like the, let's say the interpretation or the other in, interpretations of humility as just being openness. And, you know, when I think of open, I think of like the open heart. And when I'm in that place, there's like, I already feel this feeling of acceptance. And I really like the proactive where it said, I learned to accept the sense of vulnerability that goes with life's pressures and uncertainties. And I think that that's a really excellent, you know, mantra or words that I can incorporate for myself when I start to feel life's pressures and uncertainties, because normally it's like, oh my God, life's pressures or uncertainty, let me eat food. And there isn't a way that I've been able to sometimes trust that I can accept that vulnerability that's occurring right in that moment. So I just love being here and thank you guys for being here. Pass. Thank you, Teresa. So next up, we're going to take turns reading different authors' insights on step seven and then share our thoughts. So Laura, you're up first. Start us off, please. Okay, thank you. Um, Alan Berger, we are learning the importance of being vulnerable and asking for help. This is important in attaining more humility. Martha Cleveland, our new rule becomes, if it feels familiar, watch out. I better stop and look at this. Whenever a reaction feels involuntary, it may be something that needs changing. Pass. Thank you, Laura. Jenny, you're next. Stephanie Covington. But for all of our awareness, we may still not accept ourselves. Step seven gives us the opportunity to move from self-awareness to self-acceptance. Acceptance Acceptance is the key to change. Another paradox I have learned in recovery is that when I accept myself just as I am, I can change. Page 120, pass. Thanks, Jenny. Dawn. Gabor Mate. Our shortcomings are where we fall short of and even lose sight of our true potential. Thus, in giving up the short-term reward of addictive behaviors, we are choosing a vast enrichment of who we are. Humility is is an order in place of pride. 
the desperate grandiosity of the ego. Pass. Thank you. Scarlett. Therese Jacobs Stewart. We felt the pain of our defects in step six. We find it uncomfortable to be self-absorbed or bitter or filled with fear. We don't want to be separated from our true nature any longer. It's painful to veil it in delusion and choke its expression. Page 100. Pass. Thank you, Scarlett. And Jill, would you read the last one for us? Uh, Serge Pringle. The idea to become more tolerant of that unbearable feeling progressively. Realize that you can feel that bad and still survive it. As you do this little by little, you develop the ability to live through the pain. You become able to have more choice in what you, what you do despite the pain instead of automatically defaulting to the coping mechanism. Pass. Okay. Thank you everyone who read. We are now open for discussion. Again, please raise your hand when you're ready for a turn and say pass when you're done. Jill. Gabor Mate just, he um, always speaks to me. And this one in particular is, um, it's the whole thing in that paragraph. Short-term gain versus long-term being self-actualized in a, in a better my best person. That's what this one says to me. Do I throw that piece of food in my mouth because I want that short-term reward or do I try to become the best person I can be um, and keep my head on the long-term solution and doing that through humility and trying to suppress the ego I, I think that to me in this one paragraph is what I am trying to do through this program is my life would still, I would have a good life. Being overweight is something that, I'm, and having that addictive behavior is something I can learn to live with. But by going through this program and really trying to be the best person I can be, I can reach my full potential. So that really means a lot to me when I read this. Pass. Thank you, Jill. Laura and then Shirley. Thank you. Hi, this is Laura B. in New York. Compulsive eater living in recovery one day at a time, and I'm very happy to be here. I really have to, I just have to report in reality of something that I feel uh, happened and relates to this exactly. Um, on Thursday, I found out that I had made a mistake, pretty big mistake, not a fatal mistake, but a big mistake. I went into a tailspin of all fear and absolute that desire to just shut the door and start eating. I am grateful that I talked to some of my uh, OA friends and people I've met in these rooms. And was and when it says here, that thing of um, learning to just live with that discomfort, that 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 uncomfortable feeling and that fear. Anyway, I got through it. Yes, it did cost me a couple thousand dollars. Yes, it was a mistake. But I want to report to everyone here that I'm a human being. And I can say that today. I am a human being and I made a mistake and I got through the day and I got through the evening without um 
without abusing myself. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. Shirley, you're up. Very, it's an interesting thing um, in the struggle here. Um, the, what Stephanie Covington said about um, awareness, right? And learning to accept oneself and all the messiness that goes with being ourselves um, is really is the key um, to making change even possible. But one of the things that happened this week was like I had, um, I had missed a deadline um, on something, you know, important enough. And it's so not like me, it's not who I see myself as, et cetera, et cetera, you know, because I, I can live in my anxiety. And so one of the things that I noticed is like I've been really working um, using the, the Sergey uh, Prangle materials. And then it's that thing about learning how to feel, you know, sort of terrible without self-soothing the negative feeling. And so I did that better than I have been able to do it. And so I was able to get through this thing. I got the thing done. I handed it in. The boss just said, oh, okay, thank you. There was no big reprimand, you know, um, and it was, it, it was just kind of okay. So I felt like, wow, what a victory, but it was so painful. But I think that that's really, um, you know, it, that thing he says here about um, you become able to have more choice in what you do, despite the pain, instead of automatically defaulting to the coping mechanism. You know, you just lean in. So thank you for listening. And um, I pass. Thank you, Shirley. Troy, you're up. Hi, I'm Troy, uh, compulsive overeater and binge eater. What Alan Berger says about reaching out for help when we need it uh, is something that I'm trying to incorporate in my own life. Uh, when I encountered some major triggers for me, I did attempt to reach out once, uh, but once was not enough for me. And I will definitely take that lesson and apply it in future instances. And I'll pass. Thank you, Troy. I'll take a brief turn here. I, I like the Pringle one. The idea is to become more tolerant of that unbearable feeling progressively. I, I like that. It doesn't expect me to suddenly be very comfortable sitting with pain and anxiety without shoving food in my face. It says, slowly, you can learn to live with that without harming yourself. And I'm not sure if I fully embrace Stephanie when she says, another paradox I have learned in recovery is that when I accept myself just as I am, I can change. I, I don't really feel that. So I'm not quite sure what that would look like inside my head to, well, you okay, here's how you are. Now you can go on to be who you want to be. Because inside my head, here's, I'm not really accepting of exactly where I am because I do want to be, <clears throat> excuse me, someplace else. So I'll have to think about that a little more. Linda, you're next. Oh, sorry, Peggy, you were next. My apologies. And then Linda. So, yeah, I, I, 
like the the search Pringle one as well. And for me, I had, I had a hard time with this step just because uh, it's hard for me to see sort of cognitively how I take actions to change myself um, with the self that I am and um, and how I kind of work on myself. But with um, the, the, the proactive 12 steps, the search Pringle ones that do focus a lot more on being realistic about what life is, understanding your fears, being able to tolerate difficult feelings um, has really made a lot of sense to me and has, has helped me a lot. I've also over the past seven or eight months kind of started a, a pretty good meditation practice that has also helped me, but, but, but what's just in overall, I guess it what's helped me more than trying to think, well, what are, what do I want to change about myself? And like working on those things has been more the other thread that goes through all this and that people have been talking about is um, just accepting who I am and the circumstances I'm in and the life I have and figuring out how to do that. And then I do think that kind of sort of what Stephanie Covington, I think is saying that, that if you are doing that, then, then change kind of starts to happen more organically. And um, that's something that I can't say I'm there yet, but I think it's been a way of looking at the whole program that has, has helped me um, have more understanding of myself. Pass. Thank you, Peggy. Linda, and then Teresa. Yeah, I really like all of them, and I agree with all of you who have shared. Uh, but I think the Stephanie Covington just kind of jumped out at me. Uh, working with both my sponsor and my therapist, I've realized that self-acceptance and self-compassion is really at the core of my recovery. I'm not really there yet but it's like self-awareness and compassion is a like a muscle you have to exercise or a skill you have to practice so I think with that positive uh, like the consistent positive behavior could get you there and I think or I interpret that the change is um, well when I accept myself and have compassion for myself maybe I can change how I react to myself and others and how I handle myself in different situations. So I don't have to change too much, but just how, how I see where I fit into all of it. And uh, thank you all for your shares and for listening. Thank you, Linda. Teresa, then Dawn. Teresa, compulsive overeater, sugar addict. And I also was touched by the Stephanie Covington insight and the as I had talked in my earlier pitch about acceptance and that for me, what I, what I think of acceptance is when I'm, when I'm really sitting in, in a lot of acceptance, oftentimes there seems to be, at least maybe it's just the issues I'm dealing with. There seems to be like a kind of a grief that goes on. And I feel like when I, when I, when I go that deep, you know, where I settle and I'm no longer struggling, no longer wanting it to be different than it is. Um, when I can just allow 
whatever the feeling is or, or whatever the, maybe the, 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 even if it's a baby sorrow, I'm not even talking about major trauma sorrows, but that there's space. And so like the word was humility for step seven, but it was also humility slash openness. And that what I find when I have that, that calm, deep place where I'm more in that acceptance slash willingness to maybe grieve is there is this openness. And I think that what I notice is even if I spend a couple days sitting in that feeling, something does emerge even from not a, like a, you are going to heal now and you are going to, you know, fly, you know, straighten up, fly right. And, you know, whatever, whatever vision of perfection that I am trying to assign to whatever the issue might be. Um, there's what will emerge from me usually will be like that willingness to then kind of move towards some action. So like for today, get to a meeting, you know, yeah, you didn't have such a good day yesterday, but you can still get to this meeting today and be here now, you know, that has always helped me. So thank you guys for being here now with me. Pass. Thank you, Teresa. Dawn. Hi, I'm Dawn. I'm a compulsive overeater and sugar addict. I don't think I said that last time I shared. <laughs> um, yeah, I really like the self-acceptance. Um, um, trying to develop a, real, a relationship with reality. I heard that and it's like, yeah, the world's not going to be the way I want it to be. And a lot of people won't be the way I want them to be. But in that acceptance, I'm learning to like the way I am, even with the flaws. And that's where I then begin having room to work. I'm hating on myself in any way. I don't know anybody who's changed through, through um, criticism and hate. I just don't know anybody that's, that's worked with. <laughs> um, so I, what I, what I have noticed lately though, as I'm learning to be as gentle, kind, loving, accepting with my, my, um, with the, some of the more challenging emotions. I'm also noticing my, my, how my ego really likes the feel good stuff. <laughs> and um, I'm, so as I'm loosening that grip on, on the, difficult emotions I'm also trying to pay attention to how fickle my ego can be with the feel-good emotion with the feel-good emotions and trying to loosen my grip on that as well I, I've had some real, real it's interesting how you know a couple of years into the program how, how all this all this education this life education that we get in this rooms is playing out, playing out in technicolor in front of me now. Um, and I have the, I have, I have gained a, a bit of a level of awareness that I can, I can take it in and not just react to it anymore. Yeah. I, I, so Gabor that um, the desperate grandiosity of the ego, boy, boy, when, when my ego gets padded, I feel, I feel good. And that's, that's can be as that can be a place to work with as or to bring awareness to as much as as um anything just loosening this grip 
and allowing myself to live. And, you know, I recognizing that, oh, there's, you can get a little high on this, be careful. And you, and, and being low too, I had a, I had a real sadness and disappointment and I just allowed myself to be sad and disappointed. And I, I somehow didn't, I wasn't strangling it to death and I didn't suffer that much over it. That, that was, I, I don't know. I don't know that I've done that much before it felt, it felt all right. I lived that I shall pass. Thank you, Don. Kristen, you raised your hand. I'm just so grateful for this discussion and hearing everyone's perspectives and going through these steps because I'm pretty new in the program and I very much appreciate the secular approach. Most of the things that I've read in the versions and the insights I can really relate to, but hearing what everyone, you know, how everyone's digested it and processed it really brings me to a new place. And um, what I'm finding just over and over again is that by sharing time with you all, whatever I've already worked on myself gets to go to another level from hearing your insights and then, you know, my responses to you. I'm just starting to work on step one, but this is really helping me realize that I need to pull out the books that I have purchased that are secular. Uh, my sponsor is not secular. And uh, I need to really go through the step one insights and the other things, because I think those will stimulate me a lot more than just the, the 12 and 12 from OA, because there's kind of an emptiness in some of it to me, because it's just a slightly different way of looking at speaking to and thinking through things. Um, so anyway, thank you all for your wisdom and being together here today. Really. <clears throat> okay, that is all the time we have for today. Thank you all for participating in this group. Together, <clears throat> excuse me, we get better. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit secularovereaters.org and consider making a donation.